It's June 30th, 1860, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Ariel, Rebecca, and Ollie, the Retrospectors. There was a noisy crowd of almost 500 at the University Museum Oxford today in history in 1860, and the controversial discussion they were there to witness was so fiery and contentious, it's gone down in history as the Great Debate. Yet we know very little of what was actually said, because for some reason nobody bothered to write it all down, and the subject matter volleyed across the floor that evening now seems incontrovertible to most of us. Charles Darwin's theory of evolution. Yeah, so the two debaters were in the blue corner. (laughs) We've got (laughs) Thomas Huxley, who was a brilliant young scientist who'd studied invertebrate fossils, apes and humans. Uh, And he was uh, one of Darwin's closest associates. He was nicknamed later Darwin's bulldog. And he was up against the Bishop of Oxford, Samuel Wilberforce, who had really reached the pinnacle of a very highly successful career in the Church of England. He was thought of as being a really eloquent and influential speaker. And this was all on display on the night in question. You know, Wilberforce was the person who apparently, from the records that we've got, and as you say, Ollie, they are a little bit incomplete, but he was leading and very much being received well, up until the point where Huxley got up to mount his defence. And ironically, neither party had originally intended to attend the talk. The reason both were prevailed upon to be there dates back to a previous convention of the British Association for the Advancement of Science, often just called the BA, which is what this was part of on this day. In 1847, during their summit, Wilberforce had got up into the pulpit and preached a very scathing sermon, taking apart Robert Chambers's recent pro-evolution book, Vestiges of the Natural History of Creation. And it was seen as being a pretty robust attack on its content. And now a still wounded Robert Chambers persuaded Huxley that he should remain in Oxford and take on Wilberforce in the debate. You know, Wilberforce himself had been persuaded to stay by anti-Darwinists, hoping for a repeat of what he had done in 1847. And it's a bit unfair. It's unfair that it's been remembered as a Huxley-Wilberforce debate because neither of them were meant to be the stars of the show. (laughs) It's a bit unfair that it's remembered as a debate because it Mm. was actually a presentation of a paper by an American scientist called John William Draper to be followed by a roundtable discussion. (laughs) Yeah, like in a modern conference, this would be called Fireside Chat, right? (laughs) Actually, the reason it was happening was to mark the opening of the building Uh, which is now known as the University of Oxford Museum of Natural History. And it was the 30th anniversary of the BA. So it was just a kind of like, we're aware that evolution is the big scientific question that this building is going to be grappling with as it evolves. No pun intended. Or not. Um, (laughs) Or has got decrees. Um, So let's discuss that in a way that actually includes everybody who would attend this event. And one of the reasons we don't have a record of what was said is that people couldn't necessarily hear what was being said. It's not acoustically a brilliant building. It wasn't supposed to be a debate, so he wasn't standing at a lectern. Yeah, I mean, that's why we are left with this... Zinger. I mean, it's it's really a quasi-zinger at best. <laughs> Basically, Wilberforce had been taunting Huxley by asking him whether it was through his grandfather or his grandmother that he claimed descent from a monkey. And at this point, Huxley supposedly whispered to one of his colleagues, the Lord hath delivered him unto my hand, before replying witheringly, uh, it's a bit long, but this is his zinger, um, if then the question is put to me whether I would rather have a miserable ape for a grandfather or a man highly endowed 
endowed by nature and possessed of great means of influence, and yet employs these faculties and that influence for the mere purpose of introducing ridicule into a grave scientific discussion, I unhesitatingly affirm my preference for the ape. <laughs> Which Slam! It's not bad. Drop. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay, so, so basically translation that is Wilberforce saying to Huxley, are you related to an ape, mate? And Huxley like, being like, better than being related to you. Yeah. That's it. That's, that's what drop, it was. But with no mics. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lectin slam. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing that isn't really clear from that incredible singer is that it wasn't a stuffy clergyman versus rational scientist debate. You know, it's sometimes mm, framed that yeah. way. And I wonder if it's because the modern day British scientific establishment wants to have something that's our equivalent of the Scopes trial in the US. You know, there was a famous case around evolution and Clarence Darrow provided this brilliant defense of teaching evolution. So I wonder if there's some element of that we want it to be like that. But the thing was that Wilberforce was not anti-science in any respect. He was a maths graduate, a fellow of the Royal Society, and he had been coached ahead of this debate by Richard Owen, who was himself a respected biologist and an expert on fossils. And he was one of many contemporary scientists who were sceptical of Darwin's theories, not because they didn't believe in evolution as a concept, because they had disagreements with the way that he in particular had presented it. And further muddying the waters, Huxley's pro-evolution argument partly relied on using the brain size of African Bushmen as a bridge between civilised Europeans and apes, mm. while Owen, who, you know, was on the Wilberforce side, rejected the notion that human brains were at significantly different sizes or abilities, something that's obviously much more palatable and fits much more in with our modern understanding. So there, it certainly wasn't a case of just, you know, ignorant religious bigots and enlightened men of science. Mm. Yeah, I mean, racially, Wilberforce would have felt that he was on the right side of history because his father, who was also an evangelical preacher, had campaigned against the slave trade, famously. And Wilberforce was kind of capitalising on that, frankly, as Bishop of Oxford, and saying that he too felt that he was fighting for what was right by by fighting against evolution and making space for God in that discussion. But as you say, it wasn't necessarily that simple. Darwin had always said that there was room for God within evolution. It's just partly that nowadays people want there to have been a... Um, evolution rock star mm. and Huxley you know he's the grandfather to Aldous Huxley as well so that's cool isn't it from a modern perspective he also fact fans created the word agnostic mm. so you kind of like naturally going to want to side with that guy rather than the Bishop of Oxford <laughs> and Wilberforce he was a really talented public speaker but he had a very slick some would say oily manner of public speaking and he had a kind of an idiosyncratic hand-wringing gesture which looked like somebody washing their hands so his nickname was Soapy Sam. <laughs> Is that where that came from? That's yeah because it's really well established like in the Oxford English Dictionary under a soapy they give an example of Wilberforce. <laughs> and we should say by the way that Darwin wasn't there that night to defend his mm. own ideas because he was sort of regularly in poor health but Joseph Hooker this other mate of his wrote to Darwin saying like, I got up and I also spoke very much in defence of your positions. And so I kind of was there making the case on your behalf. And, you know, that I think that sort of stuff is lost in the mists of time that, that want it to be much more of a squaring up of one idea set against another. And the truth is that despite Darwin saying there was no conflict between his theory and Anglicanism, there obviously was. You know, there were accounts of the time, Virginia Woolf's dad, Leslie Stephen, the critic, even contemplated suicide when he had to accept the theory of evolution because he felt it was so antithetical to his strong Anglican upbringing. He was devastated by it. Mm. And, you know, supposedly at this event, Robert Fitzroy, the former captain of the HMS Beagle, was sent into a frenzy 
stalking the aisles, shouting the book, the book, whilst holding a Bible. <laughs> yeah, and then it wasn't the idea of evolution itself that was controversial. The, the concept was earlier being referred to as the transmutation of species, and that had been discussed since the early 1800s. It was specifically the idea of humans evolving from an ape ancestor. I mean, not only was it surface-level repellent to many in a way which I think is lost on us now, that that's just such a widely accepted idea, but it also made the biblical creation legend impossible. You know, there were lots of liberal Anglican who did find ways to kind of work the theory into a biblical framework. But fundamentally, it made the story of Adam and Eve completely impossible. And so it was the publication of On the Origin of Species in 1859 that had sparked this huge debate, which Darwin himself, it seems like he wasn't really expecting it. There's some letters he wrote just after the publication that they're really quite sweet. He's excited that anyone's reading it. He had no idea this was going to become such a huge controversy. He wrote two months after it was published, I never till today realised that it was getting widely distributed for in a letter from a lady today to Emma, she says she heard a man inquiring for it at railway station at Waterloo Bridge and bookseller said he had none till new edit was out. The bookseller said he had not read it but had heard it was a very remarkable book. And you have to see the way he wrote it. There were three exclamation points at the end of every sentence. <laughs> well, everyone was writing to one another in this slightly excitable way around this time, evidently, because Wilberforce afterwards wrote to one of his friends after the debate. He said, on Saturday, Professor Henslow called on me by name to address the section on Darwin's theory, so I could not escape and had quite a long fight with Huxley. I think I thoroughly beat him. Meanwhile, Huxley in his own correspondence said that he was the most popular man in Oxford for a full four and twenty hours afterwards. So both basically <laughs> walked away going, Me, yeah, I got the win. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, although it's sometimes portrayed as being a heated clash with a lot at stake, and clearly the main players all walked away believing that they had got the best of their rivals, no doubt being egged on by the praise of their support it wasn't really a heated clash at all. You know, contemporary reports of the encounter suggest that once it ended, they all went off for a jolly slap-up dinner together. It was really, you know, they were all middle-class academics. And once they had had their public airing out of their differences, they were happy to go and have dinner together. So long as there are no women there. We, we're quite happy <laughs> ha, ha, to Something socialize. we can all agree on. Cheers. Clink, 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 clink. And so another week of retrospecting ends. But next week begins a day early at Club Retrospectors. Join us now to get an exclusive episode every Sunday. Patreon.com slash retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network.